Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, Tommy, this Ineos Grenadier, dare I say it, is the most significant new off-roader in the last 30 years. And here's something more interesting. It's the best and worst new car we've ever bought. Wow, Dad, some bold claims are making there. But in this video, we're gonna go over the great and the not so great things surrounding our Grenadier ownership experience. We'll tell you why we bought it, how we bought it, how much we paid, um, and what it's been like to live with over the last few weeks. Yeah, and if you're listening to this as a podcast, we're also gonna give you a buyer's view of this vehicle because later on in this video slash podcast, we're gonna to talk to another buyer, Alex, our friend who also bought one. But let's start with the most important thing, which is kind of the history of the Grenadier. How did this come to be, Tommy? Well, there's no doubt that it looks like an old Land Rover Defender, and that is not a coincidence. So there is this billionaire in the UK named Sir um, Jim, Jim Rad Ratcliffe. Cliff, yeah, yeah. yeah my, my, my brain is thinking about a lot of things. Anyway, Sir Jim Ratcliffe owns this enormous petrochemical company called Ineos, or do you say Ineos? And he was a huge fan of the Landover Defender, which Landover discontinued going around a decade now um, in its original form. So it's been discontinued for quite a few years. Well, Sir Ratcliffe asked Land Rover if he could buy the tooling and the rice of the Defender and keep building it. He was that much of a fan and he had those resources. And Land Rover said no. So they wouldn't let him keep building the Defender. So he went out and did it himself. And well, there's no way to, to kind of beat around the bush here. He got sued by Land Rover surrounding the design of this because the flat fenders, the hood on its separate plane, the vertical front end, the side profile, it all looks very Defender. But the court ruled in his favor. They said, yep, you can build that Land Rover. Sorry, you can't copyright a box or trademark a box. So um, he started this company. It has no Land Rover parts on it whatsoever. We should get that right out of the way. It's not like this is some reskin Defender. It's a completely new platform from the ground up with a bunch of interesting components, which we'll discuss, Dad. And, you know, when I first learned about this going on, I don't know, four or five years ago, I thought, cool, it's never coming to the States. And then when they announced it was coming to the States, I said, yeah, right. And then it came to the States and they're selling them in bulk right now. You can go to uh, one of, I think there's 18 dealers nationwide, buy one, order one, and uh, take it home. Yeah, we picked ours up a few months ago few weeks ago, sorry, over at Red Nolan in Colorado Springs. That's the closest dealer to us. And by the way, if you want to see this uh, getting bought, we just put out a video on all TFL where we actually go through the process of buying it. And we can even see what we traded in for it. Now, uh, tell me, why is it called a Grenadier? Well, the Grenadier was the name of the pub that he initially had this idea in. Okay. So it's a, it's a very English concept, right? A British dude in an English pub. And it's, uh, it's very English. And there's a few different trims of Grenadier. So there's the base model, which is sort of what we have. There's one called the Trial Master, not Trail, Trial Master. And named one after a coat, yeah, an one, Irish coat. Yeah, it's named after a coat. And then the Field Master, which is named after a different kind of coat. So you've got the basic one, you've got the off-road one, and then you have the quote-unquote luxury one, even though it's not that luxurious. 
Yeah, um, and we'll go through all of this in a second. We'll show you why um, this is such a significant off-roader. But what makes it interesting to me is it's such an international vehicle. It's probably one of the most international vehicles that you can buy. And the reason for that is because Mr. Um, Radcliffe bought a factory in France where they build this. It used to be a Mercedes-Benz factory. And it's powered by a German powertrain designed by the Brits. What kind of axles does it have? It's got Italian axles and it was made in France. Isn't that crazy? So definitely an Axis and Allies thing coming together on this vehicle, but it all works surprisingly well. So let's start with the powertrain, Dad, I suppose. So the engine in this vehicle, when they started development of the Grenadier, they went with, yeah, there you go, a BMW powertrain, and, and they don't try to hide it like some manufacturers don't want it super clear, but it even says powered by BMW there on the engine cover. It also says it on the hood over there on the passenger side. Yeah, I'll show you. It's right, uh, where is it? It's right here. Yep. It's up here, powered by BMW. But this is a three liter inline six with a turbocharger. Now this is the B58 engine. So this is the engine that you'll find in a huge number of BMWs from like the X5 to the 3 Series to the 5 Series to the 7 Series. And a Toyota. And the Supra. Yeah, so the B58 is largely the same engine that is in the Supra. And I was actually, you know, kind of kind of curious about this decision because you'd think maybe they'd want to go with like a GMLS powertrain or a Toyota powertrain. But of course, this is a British company, so I don't think they're going to put like an LS underneath the hood of this. And I've, I've talked to Toyota about this powertrain, and according to the folks I've talked to at Toyota, this engine has undergone the same durability requirements as any Toyota-developed engine. So if it's good enough for a Toyota badge, it should be good enough for a four-wheel drive. Yeah, I think a lot of people are kind of scratching their heads, and there's something very BMW about this. Not what's under the hood, but what's in the cabinet will show you, which is kind of, um, well, not exactly in the theme of the vehicle. Now, the other thing that I like about this uh, truck, of course, is the color, Tommy, because we did something unusual, which is we went out and actually built this ourselves, which you can do. So you can get different trim levels or you can kind of spec it up yourself. And we'll start, about, we'll start with how much it cost initially and then how much we paid for it. Right. Um, yeah, so as far as I know, there might be a couple in dealerships that are inventory vehicles, yep. but they're still trying to fulfill orders that they have on these vehicles. Okay, I didn't do that well. Yeah, this is more of a slam it down hood. Yeah, it is an off-roader, sorry. It's double pull like BMW too. There we go, that was easy. Now, um, the base Grenadier starts at 71.5, which is a lot of money. It is. Um, there's just no way around it, and it's more expensive than I think people were anticipating when they first announced this vehicle, but it, that, that is what it is. Um, and then there's a couple different trims, like the Field Master, like the Trial Master. They're, they're gonna, all about 10K. Well, they're going to be, yeah, like mid-80s. Yeah. You're right. This one, as we have it spec'd, is like right at 80K. Yep. And initially, I thought that you had ordered a Trial Master. And then when we picked it up, I realized, well, it's missing some Trial Master things. And you kind of built your own adventure with this one, Dad. So it technically is a base Grenadier with all the off-road goodies but it's missing a couple well, let's things. Show them that. First of all, start on the front. So it does have recovery points in the front. Yep, so it does have a metal bumper and then you do have integrated recovery points. All Grenadiers have that. And a metal skid pad and actually uh, it's got uh, protection underneath the entire bottom. So it's completely protected. 
Now you can spec the Grenadier with a winch from the factory, actually. It's pretty cool. You but can... it's expensive. It's like $4,000. Yeah, it's an expensive winch option. And what I've read online is that the winch line is pretty small. Like the spool itself is pretty small. And you only get something like 50 feet worth of line. Um, so I, I, we didn't option that because four grand will get you a really nice winch in the aftermarket. But I did option this, which is kind of the diamond plate over here on top of the fender. Uh, the wings, as the British would call it. And I just love the look of that. Uh, it makes it much more rugged. I'm not sure that's, I think that's actually plastic, Tommy. But uh, uh, it still looks pretty cool. I don't think it is plastic. You think it's metal? Yeah, I'm actually almost certain. You can see where the, the, the paint has come off a little there. That, that's a metal unit, Dad. All right, and then we did also spec the snorkel. Yeah. We got it. Right, so that was like $850. Also comes standard on the Trial Master. Now, this doesn't add any additional water fording capability. But it does have a lot of coolness. Yeah, and like, you know, they'll claim it's sucking up air up top. It's a fresh air kind of thing. You can also get this installed after the fact through your Ineos dealer. Let's go around the sunny side so we're showing it in the sun. Um, what we did get uh, from the factory, which I love, are these BFG KO2s. Uh, they're about, what, 32s, give or take? Now this has something, I think there might be a little smaller, Dad. 31s maybe? 265, 70, yeah. It's closer to like a 31 R17. This vehicle has something you spec called the Rough Pack, which gives you the KO2 tires, but more importantly, it gives you locking differentials, an electronic locker front and rear for those Carraro axles. Now the company that supplies these axles is Italian. It's called Carraro. They're rusting. Um, the hubs, yeah, already, that's <laughs> so good, have some rust coming through. Carraro is a manufacturer of tractor axles, like big trucks, um, tractors, they're like industrial equipment. So I'm hoping that the axle on this is also from that same vein. Like, you know, like hopefully like Dana 44 strong. I'm hoping stronger. Dana 60... Somewhere between like a 44 and a 60, hopefully. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, it's very rare nowadays to be able to spec any vehicle with... A, locking differentials, but B, a solid front axle. So With, with steelies from the factory. Yeah. Now, people are going to say 80 grand and you get steel wheels. But we wanted steel wheels because they just look so cool. You can also get alloys if you don't like the steely look. Yeah, but I love the steely look and I love to paint those white to match the roof. That's another thing we spec, by the way. So you can spec a uh, different colored roof. Uh, this is classic, classic off-roader, right, where the top is different colored than the body. I love this blue paint, um, so decided to go with the white roof. Uh, I think it's a really good combination, Tommy. You can also spec, one thing we didn't get, are these really cool windows. Al Alpine windows. Windows in the roof. There's one on the driver, one on the passenger side. It's a couple thousand dollars, and they're also removable. So you get these like kind of square panels that can they vent. Lift up, yep. You can also pull them out. Yep. We didn't get that. We also, one of the weirder options is you can get this vehicle with a contrasting frame color. So for example, if you want a red frame, you can click a box, pay some extra money, and they can paint the frame red. Um, we so got... it looks red underneath. It's like a little bit of red in color shining out underneath. It looks broken to me. It looks like it's prototype. <laughs> um, and then we also spec these dealer installed rock rails. So I think it's actually a frame mounted rock rail. We had one on the lift a while back. So that's cool. One thing we didn't get is something called the utility belt. So right here, we've got these kind of rubber rub strips, which is useful in a parking lot. But you can also spec it with these little holes that you can mount things to, like a shovel or like a set of max tracks or maybe like a jerry can yeah, on the yeah. side. And then they do come with this uh, little grab handle, which you can use to kind of get up to the roof if you needed to. It's kind of a cool little feature. Uh, that's where if it was a Land Rover Defender, you'd have those little uh, safari windows. Mm -hmm. But instead, we got grab rails, which I think is pretty cool, too. Now, 
there's a other option which we didn't spec. You can get this vehicle with dual batteries from the factory, one under the hood, one underneath the rear seat. And then if you get that extra power package, they give you inputs here in the roof across both sides that allow you to plug stuff in, lights, whatever you need, heaters, so you can run accessories in like a rooftop tent. Um, back here, I think we spec the uh, mud flaps too. I think I got those. I think that was a additional spec. I don't think they come with that. Uh, back here, you could also option this vehicle with a tow hitch. If I recall, it tows just under 8,000 pounds. It's like 7,700. And the one thing that we didn't get, uh, which is, you know, something that, that screams off-roady, but I felt like we should have one now both is a ladder. So that you can attach a ladder to these. Yeah, you can see the yeah. little point. Yeah, if you want the ladder to crawl up there, you can also option it with the roof rack. Uh, you can also option it back here. We'll talk to Alex in a sec. He's got something called a NATO plug, yep. which is a 500 amp plug back here. And you can get it with the hitch mountable um, winch. You plug it into that NATO port and then you can winch backwards too. So you can really get a lot of utility functionality in this vehicle. Well, they built this as one of the most capable overlanding rigs, right? Because Sir Jim Radcliffe is a huge overlander. And so, you know, he built a lot of overlanding capabilities. Uh, we do have recovery points back here. Yep. And then I love the way the exhaust pop out on the side and they're tucked up underneath uh, so they don't hit the departure. It's a great point. Yeah, they're really nice and high out of the way for that three liter inline six. Now people may be wondering the payload, Tommy. I know the payload. Yeah, it's like 1,500 in 1,500 pounds, yeah, which is, you know, that's a lot of payload. That's like full size. That's much, that's actually more than many full size trucks. So the GVW on this one is 7716. The payload is 1528. Now there is something unique back here, which is um, the way that this, uh, oops, the way this opens up. There's our handle right there. Look at that. That's a lot of, I don't think people quite understand. Why is there a sock back here, Tommy? Yeah, I got, sorry, I left a pair of socks back there, Dad. <laughs> I don't think people quite understand just how big this vehicle is. Not only is it long, but it's super wide. So overall length is really somewhere in line with a 4Runner. So the length isn't that impressive. What is shocking is the width. It's something like 10 inches wider than a 4Runner. This is a super wide vehicle. Uh, and it also, you might notice, unlike a Wrangler or a Bronco, the top doesn't come off. The doors aren't supposed to come off. I mean, if yep. you can take doors off anything if you're, if you're willing enough. But because the top doesn't come off, it doesn't have like a roll structure taking up space back here. And because it's a perfect square, you can put stuff all the way to the edges, all the way to the top, which I mean, is very it's, cool. it's just tall and wide. It's hard to explain until you're standing next to it you know, in another car, you're, you'll be looking down at most things when you're driving this. Yeah, you can also option it. Um, I've never seen it except for when I visited them in the UK. Yeah. You can get like a table yeah. that comes down here. This is typically like in Europe where your triangle would go, if I recall that. So your warning triangle, but a little bit of extra storage there. Oh boy. Let's hey Tommy, back here's here. our, um, it comes with a full toolkit. Would that fit in there as opposed to under the seat? Maybe you will. That seems like a better place for a toolkit. What do you think? I think it'll fit, huh? Yeah. I think, oh, that, yeah. I think that's where that's supposed to go. Maybe that's where that's supposed to go. I think oh, that, interesting. I think that's where that is exactly supposed to go. That fits perfectly. That makes a lot more sense because ours was just stuck under the seat. Yeah. So it seems like the dealer's still learning where things belong. Good. I'm just guessing spot at that. There. But... Yeah, that's a great observation. That is perfectly shaped for that toolkit. We'll uh, clean this up off camera. Now, when you look at the overall pricing, Dad. Yeah. So this one, as we mentioned, is like 80. 
but you can spec them into the 90s if you get everything. If you get all the accessories, some dealer installed, some port installed, some factory installed, you can certainly get into the $90,000 range. Yeah, and there's basically two versions of this. You can get the very off-roady one, kind of like the difference between a Jeep Rubicon and a Jeep Sahara. You can also get like regular wheels, you know, with regular tires. That's much more suburban or urban versus country. All right, should we show them the inside? Yeah, the inside's just so cool. Now, let's talk about the seats first. Okay. I think the seats are in some ways really good and some ways really not too good. Um, now these are manufactured by Recaro, which is a pretty well-known brand of seats. Very nicely bolstered. This is the basic seat option, which is, it looks like a leather, but it really is a neoprene on the bolsters. And then this woven fabric on the inside, but a very durable seat design. And overall pretty comfortable. You can spec leather, but what you can't spec, as far as I can tell, they all have manual seats. And this is a vehicle that really should have lumbar control at 80,000. Well, I think because it's got those cutouts for it, there must be an option. I mean, those are there for a reason. They're I not... don't think so. Well, they, why would they put those in there? I mean, it might be like in the future, they'll put them in. But as far as I can tell, and someone can correct me, uh, I was told that you can't get this vehicle with power seats. Maybe in Europe you can. Maybe. I, I, don't, I don't see Recaro putting those. No, no, I, with, I agree. No it looks like they should be there. But regardless, at 80K, even the base one should have lumbar control. Yeah, there's some things that it should have that it doesn't have. Why don't you jump in and, Cole, jump in the back and we'll kind of show you the interior, which is really cool. So we, we do have vinyl floors. Yep, and we have the rubber floor and mats. And we have rubber floor mats. So we have vinyl floors and rubber floor mats. We've got drains in the floor. Drain, drains in the floor. Uh, so obviously it's, uh, you know, ready for, for dirty shoes like we have right now. Yep. And then, you know... It, the beginning of this video is saying there's one BMW part that does not fit. Can you can you spot it, Tommy? What's the BMW part? <laughs> well, it's pretty obvious. The shifter is straight from BMW product. It's this E shifter, push it forward for reverse, pull it back for drive, park. You got manual modes on the left here. It's not. It does not. It's not cohesive with the rest of the inside. I feel like they should have spent a little bit more money, even if they kept the same mechanism, just reskinning the shifter to look a little bit more adventurous. Adventuresome? adventure That would be the way so, to go. So let's talk about the best and worst, okay? Hang on, let's talk about the key first. Uh, well, well that's worst. All of a sudden, yeah, now we're getting into, like, why this is the worst. I don't think so. You like the key, huh? Here's the thing, Dad. This vehicle, right there on the, on the dash, yeah. it's got the word built on purpose. Okay. And this vehicle is not designed to be a luxury vehicle. So it does not have luxury features that you come to but, expect. But, but like every car now has push-button start. Yeah, but I kind of miss this. Not luxury. So you like the key. Yeah, and also it's worth noting, in, in a world now, especially in the UK, where people are stealing the Range Rovers with RFID cards that they scan over people's uh, houses, good luck stealing one of these, right? It's an old-school key. Stick it in the ignition as a whole. So $80,000. We don't have push-button start. We don't have electric seats. We don't have lumbar. We don't have these two things. We're telling what those two are. Heated seats, it's an option. I think it's like 500 bucks for heated seats. We, we didn't we, get that. We don't have a screen in front of the driver where we have our bunch of warning lights. So this is really, I, I agree with you completely. This is like the big miss on the inside is they went very Tesla in that um, all of the, uh, here, let, me, let me show you the Ineos screen here. All of the information for driving is over here on the left side of the screen. So RPM, miles per hour, gear indicator, fuel, 
remaining range. It's all in this little panel here. Yeah, I would love it here. This is like your warning screen. So if like you have a check engine, if you've got your, your diffs locked, if you've got um, any kind of warnings are gonna be here. But why not just make this an LCD and then put your speed there so you don't have to constantly look to the middle? Yeah, basically it's a bunch of little, you know, warning icons that light up depending on, you know, what you're doing. So if you lock the front locker, it lights up, lock the rear locker, it lights up, check engine light, all that stuff is there. And, and there's like probably like 50 of them there, or at least 25 of them. It's kind of crazy. The other thing that we did spec is this compass, which I love. Once again, best and worst, right? $300, so, yeah. Love the compass. And I love the design of this. It's like being in a jet plane, right? We have all of these external switches. We can get another panel of external switches up here. Well, I think it would be a little trickier because if you got that integrated dual battery setup I was telling you earlier, yeah. that's where those would go there. Um, but I mean, you're right. There's a lot of cool stuff that off-road mode, wade mode, so, off-road mode. Yeah, talk about that. Like off-road mode is very clever. So if you put it in off-road mode, you don't have to do your seatbelt up. You can drive around without your seatbelt, which you may find dangerous, but it's also very handy because when you're off-roading, you're in and out of the vehicle a lot. You're spotting things. Right. Uh, and so it gets really annoying when the thing starts buzzing at you. Yeah, wade mode also disables some electronic features there as well. Um, we have assistance, downhill assist, ESC off. It's got manual headlight adjustments, so you can level it out if you're towing. Auxiliary lights on the outside Speak, of the fog. Speaking of towing, tows 9,000. No. No? It does not. We, we talked about that back there. Oh, the LX tows 9,000. The, no, the GX tows 9,000. Yeah, it tows like just under 8. Okay, well, all right, so we're close. It might be... Here, I'm so, I can verify that. Um, well, while you verify it, let me tell them what else I like. So we've got real buttons for climate control. Obviously, we've got a button for air conditioning, defrost, audio button, a stop start you can disable, which a lot of people like. And I love like this traditional, this is plastic. That should definitely be metal for $80,000. Once again, something I hate, uh, but it's, it's old school. So you lift it up and then you can put in four low. Uh, you can lock in four low. Uh, it's a little cumbersome sometimes, but it's very gratifying because it's real. If it was just real metal, I'd be so much happier. Yeah, and you've got center locking diff, full-time four-wheel drive with a true center transfer case. I think, uh, center diff, I mean, I think it's a Tremec transfer case, if I remember correctly. And then this is also another way you can control the infotainment. It's not iDrive, although it does look a little bit like iDrive. Now, the infotainment, interestingly enough, I thought maybe they were going to go with a BMW system or something. It is not like that at all. This is actually an in home-built system, ground up. It's got a lot of cool off-road modes. The off-road modes are the best part. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You notice that the system's a little slow to respond sometimes. So you've got um, your your angles there, right? Your your pitch and roll. Sorry, first one. You've got your temperatures. And your PSI. Which is great. Which yeah. is great, yeah. Tire temperatures yeah. within Which is really with great, a Y. Too. Yep, you got your altitude, your latitude, your longitude, and then you, this is cool too. You got your electrical, so you can see we're charging the battery. It's at ninety-six percent state of charge. It's really, really cool. You can see your voltage. What, what is it with the British and like making this such a sea of black? You know, these are LCD screens. You could make this red, white, blue, orange, pink, and yet they everything is dark and muted. I do not understand why that is. Yeah, it's, it, it, that. it could be so much more modern and satisfying if if all the colors weren't either black or gray. 
Um, we also have a bunch of different settings in here which you can play with. But most importantly, though, what this vehicle has, it has Apple CarPlay and a wireless Apple CarPlay system. This is what I mean. Sometimes the response is a little slow, but you know, you can access Onyx Off Road all on this screen, right? You got your Spotify settings, it's all integrated right here in the middle. Easy to use. So even though the system's a little cumbersome, it's very usable, but what I do, I just stick it on CarPlay and forget about it. All right, now let me show you my favorite part. It's got dual horns. Want to explain those? Yeah, so um, uh, Sir Ratcliffe runs a bike team as well, famous yeah. Tour de France, and he integrated two horns. So you got your, your main horn, which is your get out of your way, and then you have a little toot horn just to alert people more quietly, and yes, you can do them at the same time. So you can operate your two horns. But this is a great thing because a lot of folks nowadays stock, stop, stopped at a traffic light, are texting constantly, light turns green. You don't want to give them the full blare, little toot. No, it's like giving them the uh, little finger instead of the you know what finger. There you go, <laughs> you're exactly right. Yeah. So once again, more love and hate stuff, right? Uh, but shall we take it for a ride uh, and uh, kind of show them the thing that I hate the most about it, the thing that would make me not buy it again. All right, Tommy, another problem with this vehicle, um, really probably the worst turning radius of any vehicle. It's really, really poor. It's just awful. Yeah, it's really not a good turning radius. Um, we'll talk about the steering in a moment, which is probably the most alarming part of this vehicle. Also, pretty basic backup camera, and only on, even at 80K, we only have a rear backup camera on this one. No front-facing camera. All right, so you want to talk about your, the part you hate the most, Dan? Well, we'll just wait for it to happen. How about that? Okay. I'll keep talking and then you'll, you'll once you get on the road, you'll actually see it. So let's talk about the competition and what this obviously competes against. So at $80,000, right? Um, I mean, it competes against the Bronco, it competes against the Wrangler, kind of, sort of, because those cars, and the Forerunner, because those cars are all in the $50,000 range, give or take, right? Sure. And then it also kind of competes against uh, the G-Wagon, but its direct competitor, I think, would be the Defender, the new Defender. 100%. I I was waiting for that. You hear that clicking noise? Yeah. Here, I'll see if I can replicate it again. Yeah, so every time you exceed the speed limit, it warns you that you're exceeding the speed limit. We'll do it again. It takes a while, Sometimes I think. Sometimes it takes a while. But it's incredibly annoying. There it goes. There it goes. And you're, of course, saying, well, just don't exceed the speed limit. But even a couple mile an hour over, you're going to get the clicking. Now, you can turn this feature off. Thank goodness. And typically what you would have to do is go into INEOS and you got to go into settings and then you got to go into vehicle functions and then you go into ADAS systems and then you go intelligent speed assist and then you go over speed warning off. So it's like a 10 step process, okay? Yeah. To turn that off. I know. But good news is what I have done, you're driving along, it starts clicking at you. I've programmed the favorite button. I should say Red Nolan did because I think it's such a common complaint. When you push the favorite button, it should take you to the screen. Sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't. There we there go. Goes, yeah. And you can then do it in two or three steps. But the, here's the kicker. It resets to always on. So when you cycle the engine, every time you get in another car and turn the engine off, it goes back to on. So every time you got to hit your favorite and you got to turn that off, which is just a huge pain in the butt. And I don't know if that's because legislation in Europe demands it, but it's a huge miss on the part of Ineos to actually uh, leave that as an auto on feature and not disable it, or at least not disable it so that when you turn it off, it stays off. Now I was talking to Alex Dykes, which we'll talk to in a sec here, yep. about that feature. According to his dealer, there's a fix coming, a software update 
but it doesn't do the software updates over the air. So that means we're gonna have to drive two hours south to our Ineos dealer to get that software fixed. Well, now, not fixed, but changed. Now we did take this vehicle to Moab uh, and we're gonna show that video soon on altfl.com. We're doing a five part series, buying it, uh, going underneath it, uh, taking it off-road in Colorado, taking it off-road uh, in um, Moab, all that's coming. Um, so we've learned a lot about it. We've, as of this taping, we've put on 1,781 miles, but let's talk about the steering. Cause I would say if, if any of you are familiar with what a Wrangler drives like with live axles, this will feel right at home. Yeah, very basic, slow steering setup. Emphasis on slow. You spend a tremendous amount of time steering this vehicle. Here, I'll make a turn here. I'll show you what I mean. So we've got this 90 degree turn. First of all, slowing ra steering ratio is slow. And then it really doesn't self-center unless you grab the wheel and make it do it by itself. So in a lot of cars, right, you steer the wheel and it starts coming back to center. This one will do it too, but look how slow that returns to center. So you spend a lot of time just steering this vehicle. Yeah, I think wandery would be the best way to describe the steering on road. Well, but what's interesting is it's not loose. You no, know, it's very like heavy, it, actually. It, well, what I mean is like, there's not like a dead zone. Okay, there's a, there's a little bit of a dead zone in the center in, in that, look, you can move the steering wheel quite a bit. I should say there's no slop, but there is a dead zone. So you can steer the wheel a lot and not get any change in, in, in motion. And this is, you know, something that you have to get used to on the road. If you're, ex if you're coming out of a car into this setup, you you're gonna hate it. are going to hate it. You're going to hate it. Yeah. yeah. If you don't know what to expect. If you're coming out of a Wrangler. See, look at that. It doesn't self-center. Yeah. Yeah. So, so look, I mean, this is where we can talk about the difference between this and the new Defender, which it does compete against directly, right? Sure. But what um, Land Rover did was they took the Defender, which was a square-jawed tractor of an off-roader, and they made it into a suburban uh, family hauler, which is absolutely fine, right? Jerry McGovern, who does the styling over there, penned this beautiful design. Now other vehicles are copying that design. I'm thinking about like the Santa Fe, right, which looks like a baby Defender. Sure. There's a lot of cars, but this is back it's an old-school off-roader, right? Right. Uh, so we're back to the straight-up, uh, hardcore off-roader. And what we learned in Moab was that everything that makes this thing kind of wonky on-road makes it incredibly good off-road. Well, like the steering. So it doesn't have, you know, like a rack and pinion setup, which sometimes on the trail, if you hit a rock wrong, the steering wheel can yank out of your hand. This is a really slow, progressive, safe steering setup in an off-road environment. It's very predictable and you can be very precise because the ratio is super slow. So what makes it kind of slow on road really helps you when you're doing precision off-road driving. And let's talk about the suspension, right? I mean, we're looking at very traditional suspension here. Yeah, solid axles, right? Yeah. Like if you hit a bump with the right wheel, as we do there, it's going to transmit it more or less to the left wheel because they're connected by a beam. Um, but off-road, you got pretty good articulation so that it can do that teeter-totter effect and keep wheels on the ground as long as possible. So it's a compromise. What I would say though, Dad, is mm. that this vehicle drives 150 times better than the old Defender. So even oh, yeah. though it still has a lot of that same basic technology, the implementation of it is done in a very modern way. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And you know, there's something to be said about a car with a lot of character. And, you know, at the beginning of this video, I said this is one of the best and worst cars we've bought. And the best part is it's just got so much character, right? The interior design, the exterior look of it, the 
width of it, the, you know, just honest off-road uh, vibe that it exudes when you're driving it around in places like Colorado where off-roaders come at a premium and people actually hear off-road their vehicles as opposed to, I'm not saying people in LA don't, but in LA you see a lot of G-Wagons that will never go off-road. Sure. Here people have vehicles that will go off-road every weekend. Uh, and so I love that about it. What I don't love about it is the price and what you don't get for the price. So I would love to have at $80,000 heated seats, lumbar support, just some basic stuff, a little screen there. But don't you think that kind of goes against the ethos? No, the I don't basic think so. ethos of this vehicle being relatively simple, not, not overly frilled. But there's nothing simple underneath this. This BMW engine and all the stuff that's in here is still being run by like 50 computers. Sure. Right? So what, what you have is simplicity of design, but this is a modern vehicle with airbags and you know all of the ADOS, well, most of the ADOS that you would expect. There's nothing uncomplicated about this. It just looks uncomplicated. So if you're gonna go, you know, uncomplicated in design, but then very modern in technology, you might as well add the goodies that we don't have. That's just my thinking. Now, from a driving standpoint, you know, I, I have a pretty low bar for on-road comfort because I come from the off-road world. Yes. And from, from my perspective, this is amazing. It is super comfortable. It's perfectly refined. It's very quiet. But then I'm used to driving older Jeeps, right? <laughs> Which are like driving toasters. Um, I think compared to like a Lexus GX, which you could argue is one of those vehicle's competitors, it's not as refined. Now let's talk about this BMW engine. Um, I really love this engine in almost every situation. But if you're looking for refinement, let me come to the stop here at the stop sign, you'll notice it vibrates. Yeah, you get vibration to the steering wheel. The steering wheel vibrates, the floor vibrates. It's not as insulated as a Lexus GX or as a Land Rover Defender. How about power? Yeah. We're looking at what, 300 horsepower? 282. Yep. Full throttle. That's good. Yeah, it's actually pretty good. Um, Up to about 80. Oh uh, yeah, and then the aerodynamics come into play. 332 pound-feet of torque. But what I like about it is, yes, it probably could have had an LSV8 in it, but up here at a mile above sea level, having that turbocharging really has a positive impact on overall performance of this vehicle. What kind of fuel time are you getting, Tommy? you know? Well, the vehicle's rated at 15, 15, 15. Yes. We are averaging, let's see, on this trip, 18.4. Uh, that's okay. So pretty decent. Yeah, I also love this. Look at this Look at this classic owner's manual. It's a real book. Nowadays when everything is in there, right, and people are getting away from having actual real paper products sure. for their owner's manual, I love the fact that you actually have a book uh, that is an owner's manual. I would say it's a pretty refined driving experience. It is. The eight speed is smooth. It is always in the right gear. Another cool thing is when you're going up hills, it's not too eager to downshift, it'll actually build boost right before it downshifts like two or three cogs. So you get a cool sound of that boost building up. And this BMW engine, apart from the vibration at idle, when you're at speed, it is incredibly smooth and really, really refined. I actually, I kind of love this engine a lot now. And I've talked to a lot of owners of B58 BMWs. The older stuff, like the N55 twin turbo stuff, a mess for reliability. These B58s, the next generation, I mean, my mom's got one with 60,000 miles, hasn't been in for anything engine related at all. I've got people that watch the channel with 100, 150,000 miles on their B58s and they seem to be fine. They just keep going. So the engine I like, the ride's a little stiff. It's a little firm. But it, it, it feels like it's 
put together well, right? The sense you get when you slam the door, when you get behind the wheel is that it's more Mercedes than it is Wrangler. Well, that's the big surprise is like everything in here, like the center console, you could put your entire body weight into trying to get this thing to move and it is rock solid. The doors don't squeak. There's not a rattle to be heard in here for a brand new company. When you think brand new company, you think of Tesla. And our Model 3 is a rattle trap compared to this. This thing is perfectly screwed together from a quality standpoint. It's really, really good. The panel gaps are perfect. Everything fits like it should. It feels like a really well-made product. Having said that, maybe one of the reasons it feels that way is it's very heavy. It's a very heavy well, vehicle. It's 5,800 pounds. This is like electric vehicle heavy now. Ton of steel. Like yeah. there are no concessions to like. Should we make it lightweight and aerodynamic? They just said line it in lead, sir. That'll be good. <laughs> so yeah, it is ridiculously heavy. Um, I, I like it a lot. That I think it's a fine vehicle to daily drive. I think that if you're coming, like I said, from a Lexus, you're going to be annoyed. If you're coming from a Jeep, you're going to be over the moon. How about if you're coming from a G wagon? Um, it's. I described the driving experience perfectly halfway between a Wrangler and a G-Wagon. It's not quite as good on-road as a G-Wagon. It feels a lot better put together than a Wrangler. So, you know, when we were picking it up, and like I said, you can watch that video at AllTFL, we had a good talk with the um, manager of the, of, the, of the dealership, right, the owner, uh -huh. and he was telling us that the people who are buying these right now are kind of like guys more my age than your age, of course. Uh-huh. Well, it's pretty peppy, Tommy, I gotta yeah, say, it's not bad. pretty good. Yeah, and it doesn't have a BMW engine sound. And as we know, a straight six is the smoothest of all engines, so it is smooth. Except it's idle. Except that <laughs> idle. I think that's just insulation. Not... Yeah, yeah, yeah. NVH. But I, I think right now, kind of guys who love off-roaders are buying this who are in the know. Because in America, most people don't know what anything else is. I mean, you, you pull up somewhere and people are like, what the heck is that? I think a lot of people either are confused by it or they are just have never seen one before. attracted to it. But the question is, will it become like... A poser vehicle, and I don't mean to say a G-Wagon is a poser, but it becomes like a Kardashian rig where people buy them because it's so bloody off-roady and cool and different, or will it actually become more like a forerunner where people buy it and then they off-road it? Yeah, I, I don't know, Dad. I will say the excitement is definitely out there. The price is also out there. But we're in an era now. I mean, the 392 Wrangler is $92,000. Yes. You know, a standard Rubicon... 4xe is going to be upwards of 70,000 now. You can get a Bronco Raptor well into the 80s. Well, so let's let's break that down. Hey, can you drive to the little ball field that we usually Yeah, do? yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. So let's let, let's break this down for people. How many vehicles that are not pure trucks with a bed can you get that are triple locked right now? There aren't that many. So a G-Wagon you can triple lock. Yep. A Bronco you can triple lock. Yep. A Wrangler you can triple lock. Uh-huh. I think that's it. Y yeah. I don't think I, I'm maybe I'm missing something, but in America that's all you can actually triple lock. Yeah, I think that's all you got. And, you know, triple locking is kind of the highest form of off-roading because then you're sending, you know, 25% of the power to, to all four wheels. Well, it's the physics don't work out like that. But you but know what I'm saying. You're, you're basically making each wheel. You're, you're making all four spin at the exact same speed. Yeah, yeah. And I, yep. was, I was actually really impressed by how capable and how fun and how... Uh, well suited for off-roading this vehicle is. Sure, yeah. You know, there are some finicky things about turning on the lockers. 
not as good as a Bronco. Uh, but once you get the thing locked and once you get it going, it's a monster off-road. Yeah, it's really good. I mean, I think it's easily as good as... I don't think it's quite as good as a Sasquatch Bronco or a Recon Wrangler because those are on 35s, just the physics of the tire size alone. But with saw and axles, it won't be hard to lift this. Right, but it's going to be 80% as good, 70% as good. It really was very good. And this is a vehicle that's not really intended for hardcore rock crawling. This is more of a long distance off-road traveling machine, you know. Now how about that? How comfortable is it? for actually what it's designed to do, which is overlanding. Yeah, I think it's great. I mean, it's not as softly sprung as a 200 series Land Cruiser or a 4Runner. It's a little bit more firm than those, but it's very roomy in here. I mean, this is the biggest box of them all, and it's it's got a ton of space for your family, for your friends, for all of your stuff. I kind of feel like, you know, the new Land Cruiser is coming back, mm -hmm. and it's going to be much more affordable, so it's going to be in the fifty to $55,000 range for the kind of... Yeah, but you say that, but hold on. Oh, okay, go so ahead. So $55,000, yeah. okay, starting. Yeah. Realistically, a first edition is going to be sixty-five seventy. Yes. Then you got to deal with dealer markups. Yes. And you're going to be at seventy-five eighty for at least the first few months. From yeah, what I've heard... you want heard, the round headlights, you got to pay more for that, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. From what I've heard online about the Gret Ineos dealers, our Ineos dealer in the Springs doesn't do markups at all. Yeah, right, Nolan. So if you want one that, you know, they don't, which I love the fact that they do not mark up these vehicles, even though it's new and hot and they could. Both of our viewers that came in and, and, and showcased theirs, no markups, no markup on theirs either. Yeah. So Ineos is a small dealer network. Like I said, it's something like 18 nationally, which is a huge disadvantage for service for getting these things fixed, granted. But it sounds like people are having generally a very good dealer experience. And I know at least, once again, this is not paid at all by Red Nolan. These guys are getting a lot of shout outs. They are. But like they have showroom displays. They did they give have, us a blanket. They did give us a blanket. Thank you, folks. <laughs> Thank but you. they have showroom displays and dealer models you can take out and try out. And there's, they're like really working to work with people. Well, so the hardest thing about any new vehicle, I think, is getting people to know and understand what it is, right? Education is expensive. And yeah, and very time consuming. And very time consuming. But I kind of feel like this will fall into that place where uh, you know, if you if you've got a little bit more money, and you want to set yourself apart from the crowd, and you don't want a Bronco, and you don't want a Wrangler, and you don't want a New Land Cruiser, this is what you're going to go for. Because I promise you, on your street, you'll be the only one. Heck, right now in your town, you'll be the only one with an Ineos Grenadier. Yeah, right, right. And we had to wait a bunch of months for this. We ordered this like middle of last year or something, and I, I have a feeling that we got kind of bumped forward a little bit we do give up forward, very yeah. nice of them yeah. um but uh yeah it's really really good and look the other thing too dad after talking to some of the dealer folks people order these and then don't pick them up so some people are getting them much much sooner than our experience so are people paying under sticker i don't think so i don't think anyone's paying under sticker yeah. yet yeah i don't think they're having an issue selling them yet so I'm super curious as to what Alex thinks of his, right? He got the more bougie one. He got the brown steering wheel. Yeah. Kind of jealous. So we're going to cut to that footage. I got a, a little, uh, both of ours were on the same exact boat, actually. I think they were built pretty much back to back. So we're going to talk to him and see how his has been to live with. All right. So we're here with Alex from Auto Buyer's Guide, formerly Alex on Autos. And Alex is probably the most knowledgeable guy out there when it comes to anything car related. Wouldn't you uh -oh. say, Alex? No, no. Not when it comes to classics. Anything that is earlier than 2023, my brain just contains no data for that. 
Well, Alex, what I think is so funny is you buy a number of vehicles every year for your channel and for your business. Um, and you are like the most consumer oriented person I know. You know all the numbers, you know what people are buying and why they're buying them. And then you buy this weird British thing with Italian axles made in France. Well, what, why'd you do that? Uh, I think it's your fault, Tommy, because <laughs> we were at Goodwood and you were like, let's tag along to this Grenadier thing. And I'm like, the Grena what's? And we went and saw it and it was epic. So I could not resist. Yeah. And it's funny. Um, I think ours came on the same boat, as I understand it. I think so. Yes. Yeah. Because they were on the port at the same time and somehow you got yours first. Yeah. We we just eked out a couple days on you. But um, apparently uh, it was my towing package. Yeah, you have the you yeah, right, you got the towing package. So tell me about the spec you ordered and um, why you got the options that you did. So let's think uh, if I can get this right. So we got the ladder bar on the back because mm -hmm. why have such a tall roof if you can't get to it? Yeah, um, that actually turned out to be way handier than I thought because I I somehow it escaped me that the roof is six inches higher than a Wrangler, so it is way high off the ground. Um, we got the electrical uh, accessory switch widget pack which gives you the 500 amp outlet in the back the four outlets around the roof etc that one mainly because i was concerned about resale value and if you don't get that option when they build it it's very difficult to add later or impossible we aren't clear if it actually even can be mm -hmm. uh, we got the tow hitch which we talked about before um, because apparently that also is tricky to add afterwards. There's some software and some extra wiring harness looms and whatever that goes into that thing. You could just bolt one on and just add your own trailer brake controller, but we were kind of after that more factory finish thing. Uh, we got it in green because British racing green, why not? Um, we got the premium audio system, which I'm sure you will ask about later. <laughs> um, yep. We got the, um, they're all manual seats. We didn't get the leather one, but we got the brown contrast steering wheel because that was cool. Uh, and I think that's it. That's how, oh, Safari windows. Safari windows. Had to get the Safari windows. Um, we did not get the diamond plate stuff that you guys got. Mm -hmm. um, no snorkel, right? No snorkel. Uh, yeah. I was worried about wind noise. Uh, and everything that I've ever driven with a snorkel just a little too loud for me on the highway, which sure. is why we didn't get the KO2s from the factory. So I was really torn on that. And we're going to swap in some, some all-terrains later, but I think we're going to do a second set of wheels. Uh, so that way we could take them off and put on the, the ones we would want to daily drive. Uh, we got the rock rails and uh, the locker, of course, front locker. You can't get a Grenadier without a front locker. So um, do you remember what your, your finals... MSRP was out the door? Oh, that is a good question. I could look that up. I can tell you exactly what it was here. Um, are you editing this? Because it may take me a while to actually yeah. find this, this paper. Yeah, no worries. No, no, it's good. Yeah. So I think ours was like 80, um, but you got a bunch of stuff that like we didn't get. So we didn't get the widow mm -hmm. ladder. Um, we didn't get the, the dual battery group. Um, we didn't get the brown leather steering wheel, which looks really cool. You have the cloth seats though, right? You don't, you didn't get the leather seats. I did get the cloth seats because I would only have gone with the leather if they could have been, uh, powered, but they're manual. So I thought why, right. they're not more adjustable. Why bother was my figuring. I like the look and the, the, the breathability of the cloth seats too. So ours, Total, including sales tax, was 94000 
uh, pre prior to sales tax, it was uh, eighty three nine seventy. Okay, yeah, that sounds that sounds spot on. Um, so we've had ours a similar amount of time. Um, give me some of your initial impressions. Like, what are you impressed with? What have you been disappointed about? What does what does a consumer need to know? Uh, the consumer probably needs to know that you, I think you need a really long road test to be sure this is for you. Um, okay. Because somehow, the, you know, did you, you guys drove it in Colorado prior to actually signing the paperwork, right? Mm-hmm. I was stupid. I did not because I drove it in the UK and then I'm like, this is epic. Um, and then I bought one. And the only time I had ever driven the North American one was driving it off the dealer lot <laughs> when I was reminded of the incredibly slow and imprecise steering. So I'm just like, I mean, the steering wheel is all over the place and I'm just laughing my butt off going, what on earth have I done? Yeah. Um, because it feels like a tractor, honestly. Uh, you know, it feels like my tractor at home, uh, my dad's tractor feels very much the same. It does not feel like a Wrangler. It does not feel like a pickup truck. It's very tractory in like steering wheel doesn't want to return to center. You got to, you got to muscle that thing back to center you're constantly correcting it with little corrections going around corners. Um, and the only thing that's that was that was more entertaining than that was being a passenger when Rob drove it for the first time. And he's doing the same sort of thing. And I'm just like, I have to close my eyes. We're going to end up in a jersey barrier. It's not going to be good. <laughs> and did you? Did he, did he make it off? No, the no, we made you? it. We made it alive. Okay. No scratches. Yeah. Totally fine. Now, we also talked about the steering a little bit earlier in this podcast, and, um, you know, I feel like it it is something to get used to. Um, for me, it's not a deal breaker. For you, is it something that's going to just drive you up the wall, you think? No, no, it's not a deal breaker. It's just one of those things. It's a quirk. It's a, you know, it's, it. it there's something adorable about the, the, the raw and unpolished nature of this thing. And that's, that's why I was so excited to get it in the first place is that it's, it's unlike anything else and it doesn't look or drive or behave like anything else. So what are some other things that you have come to learn during your ownership of your Grenadier? Uh, first one is install the Safari windows properly. Otherwise they apparently leak. So okay. uh, we had some mystery leakage in a rainstorm and uh, we still haven't figured out exactly what went down, but uh, I suspected that maybe the Safari windows weren't quite latched on properly. So we took them off, looked around, made sure that the the uh, drains were actually clear. They were, they were fine. Put the Safari windows back on. Over this last weekend, it was parked. We had four and a half inches of rain and no leaks. So clearly something weird was going down there. Um. I kind of wish I had ordered the front winch. Really? Because it's four grand. Yeah, that's the tricky part. It's like it is expensive, but if you don't get it at the beginning, then, you know, what's it going to be like to install that later? I don't know. Right. Now, um, it's heavy. It, it, it's heavy. Yeah, and the, the cable's pretty small. I think it's like 50 feet. It's not a lot. Yeah. Of now, but the grenadier gonna... itself is heavy, so I'm thinking like if we really did try to go places with this, we might get stuck. Now, your use case for this vehicle, I think, is pretty interesting because it it almost feels like 
um, Sir Jim Ratcliffe built this vehicle for you because you're actually using it like on a piece of land, moving stuff around. You're on dirt constantly. Um, yeah. How has this vehicle been as like a working tool? We haven't done too much with it. Uh, okay. You know, we're still in the, the you know, don't want to scratch it phase. Sure. Uh, so it hasn't taken the place of our, you know, our Grand Cherokee yard car uh, yeah. yet. Um, I actually kind of think that my mom would like this more oddly enough because they live on a ranch in Texas and her Grand Cherokee, she uses as a side by side to go check on the cows. Uh, and so actually, I think that this would be a good option for them in a weird sort of way. Um, for us, we're probably not going to be doing too much moving around on the property in it because it's, it's a very steep hillside piece of property. Um, but we're always, you know, moving a, a chipper around or dragging this around or towing this or that. So right. that's one thing we haven't had a chance to do because I've been out of town since we got it, uh, is try the towing capacity out. I am a little bit unsure as to how it's going to tow because it, the tow rating is quite high, but there's not an enormous amount of power and the suspension and steering and everything else is just very different. So I am, I am, uh, optimistic. Let's, let's put it that way, but I'm, I don't know if I'm totally sold on it as a tow rig either. Now, one of the cool things that yours has um, that ours doesn't is you have that 500 amp NATO plug. Yes. Do you think you're going to find a use for that? I think that is the handiest thing I have seen in a long time um, okay. because we always end up needing to jumpstart our chipper and it uses a uh, an inline six Cummins diesel in it. And it's a it's a bear to jumpstart. Cause you, you, it takes a lot of power. So, you know, we end up with like the 30 foot long jumper cables from the Grand Cherokee's battery back there to the battery on the chipper and you lose a lot and it takes a while to deal with. And I was just kind of thinking like, that seems like a very handy feature. Um, you can also leave it on if you wanted to say charge your battery with a solar panel. Uh, but that actually goes with the power outlets on the roof too. So if you wanted to like, overland your your grenadier and you have the auxiliary switches there's one master switch where you could have the relays on and like have solar panels on the roof charging the battery without needing to cut factory harnesses or do um you know jumper cable leads things like that under the hood so i'm kind of curious to see how that goes i haven't given that a try but that's on the agenda for seeing you know can we feed power back through these things now, one thing which I'm curious about with your use case is um, at your place, you've got um, a Durango Hemi 6.4 with crazy mm -hmm. towing capacity. Um, and we've talked a lot about, you know, like why Durango over full-size truck. And one of the things you return to is the turning circle. Um, yep. Have you found the Grenadier to be pretty lacking in the, the, the turning circle area? You know, it's not great in on paper I, th i'm of two minds let me put it this way i'm it's not great on paper but there is an advantage for off-roading and that is that it has a true center differential so if you're in four low your turning circle does not suddenly just balloon out of control like it can in a wrangler or a bronco um and you don't need the trail turn assist thing like bronco has which tears up the trails sure. uh which i, I used that once on our off-road trails because we have to privately maintain our off-road trails um, used it once in the Bronco and I'm like, nope, I don't want to have to fix that pothole <laughs> that I just created. So never using that again. Um, so depending on what you're doing with it, it can be good or bad. The um, the wheelbase is short enough that it's not really a problem to navigate trailers around tight trails. I think that part's fine. 
And then the the ability to have your center coupling unlocked in four low yeah. is really cool. unique. There's there's not much else that will do that. Really, the only thing I can think of is Land Cruiser and GX. Um, and they don't have a front locker. So, you know, it's it's kind of an interesting combo. The way Grenadier decided to to you know deal with that four-wheel drive system is just a really interesting thing. That's pretty cool. Now let's talk about some of the tech and also want to talk about, as you mentioned earlier, your <laughs> the premium, lack of tech. Your, yeah, your premium sound system experience. Yes, my premium sound system re uh, requires a bit of uh, self-adjustment. <laughs> okay. Because on my way back from Pasadena, I was really hating this particular option because somehow the bass was just out of control. Uh, I mean, like worse than 1990s nightclub. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, what is going on with this thing? This Surely this cannot be how this was designed. You turn the bass all the way down, mid and treble, all the way up, still sounded weird. Uh, got home, lifted the back seats, try and find the subwoofer. I'm like, maybe there's a knob or something. Under the back seats, there is this itty bitty little, I mean, it is tiny. It's like maybe the size of this little box here. Mm. Um, itty bitty little JBL subwoofer that it looks like just an off the shelf component. And, uh, and it has all sorts of adjustment, you know, little little potentiometers on it. So I cranked them all down all the way. And now it sounds totally fine. So there's like physical adjustments on the subwoofer. Yeah, yeah. They're actual like like bass bypass, you know, frequency. There's wow. like a bass boost one. And um, I I was just surprised. I was like, wow, I, I, I'm not surprised, I guess, maybe. I shouldn't be surprised that they just picked it off the shelf one because, you know, Grenadier doesn't, is not a big company, right? But I thought surely that whoever made the, the sound system for this thing uh, would have been involved. But I don't know and i've never been able to get a good answer to this did grenadier cook up the sound system themselves or did they go with like a alpine or a you know a harman Kardon kind of vendor to do it for them i don't know um but uh but yeah i thought that was kind of kind of funny but i'm also wondering like so the premium sound system is like a 700 dollars option or thereabouts yeah and do you think like the rest of the sound system's the same and they just give you that jbl i am I am I unsure, and this is yeah. where I'm. I'm interested to find another Grenadier to 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 test these back to back. Yeah, because my my expectation is probably. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right, and um, and they because I don't see on their spec sheet that there's any number of speakers being listed. It's just like premium sound, not premium sound. But the little JBL box, I googled it, and it's like five hundred bucks in its own right. So I guess if you wanted one of those, it's sure. an okay deal because it comes with the wiring harness and all that for it. And what's been your um what's been your take on the vehicle tech? Uh I I'm okay with it for a startup. I would preface it that way. I mean, there obviously I think there's some clear mistakes. The lack of instrument cluster, I think, is a bummer. Even if they had given us a business card-sized LCD that had those exact same icons and a speedometer on it, mm -hmm. I think that would have just looked way more attractive because everybody that looks at it on the outside, uh people that have just been in and out of the office this week um they're like oh my god that looks totally cool they hop inside they look and the first thing they go is what's going on there like yeah. what's what's this thing um the second thing is more of a usability thing for me i don't know if you've noticed this but the the lcd touchscreen is set really low in that housing so it has this uh this you know rim around it the edge on the top and the sides but on the bottom the the touch part of the screen is flush with the bottom so it's really hard to touch the options that are at the bottom of the screen, especially in CarPlay. But I do appreciate that it has CarPlay. I think that's fine. 
Yeah, wireless um, too, yeah. Yeah. Some of the like the the ADAS stuff I think is a weird weird blend. They had to have emergency braking for certain regulations around the world, so then they're like, "Eh, let's stick auto high beams on it." Um, but then no lane keeping, no blind spot. Uh, I don't care about the lane keeping, but blind spot I think would be handy yeah. because the the driver's side side view mirror is terribly positioned. I don't know about yours. Maybe it's a manufacturing defect in mine, but it's like pointed at the ground. I don't know what you're supposed to see in it because you certainly can't see traffic in it. Interesting. Um, and with no blind spot monitoring, it's kind of difficult to see what's going on sometimes. Um, what's your take on the um, overspeed warning? I am less annoyed with it than I think your dad was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yep. But I will become annoyed with it if it's not fixed in a few weeks like they claim. Okay. So we were we were uh, told six weeks from delivery. What did they tell you? Uh, they said coming very shortly. And, and this was mm. your dealer said six weeks, right? Yeah, they said approximately, I should say approximately, approximately. six weeks. It wasn't guaranteed six weeks, right. but, right. you know, so. Yeah, I mean, I, um, I, I've i driven, I think we have like almost 1,800 miles on it. And I've driven it enough where like I'm pretty used to hitting the favorite button and just clicking yeah. it. Um, but you're right. Someone like my dad, and, and I think there's some commenters out there too, it's just like it would, it would drive some people nuts to have to go yes. through the menu every time. Um, I think the, have you had any screen glare issue? Let's we haven't it. had any issues with that. Not, yeah. I would say no more than, than other vehicles that are out there. I think that it could have been slightly better designed. I think the angle could have been better, Yeah. but you know, I've had, I've had vehicles with glare that's worse. Now, what about like initial quality? Are you impressed with the build quality on yours? Ours has been pretty stout, actually. I'm surprised the panel gaps are all very good. Uh, the interior parts alignment is generally good. There are certainly some rough and tumble design aspects <clears throat> that I find weird. Like the really slick plastic floor in the cargo area with yeah. no rubber mats available from Grenadier. I mean, just cargo is just slipping and sliding back there. Uh, my camera bag, as you know, is this big metal metal box with a canvas side to it. So it's like 40 pounds. And it's just bouncing like a ping pong ball in the back there. And I'm hoping that I don't crack any plastic. Yeah. Um, that I think is a weird misstep. Um, but we did get, of course, the cargo rails and we have the utility belts on the outside. So you could strap stuff down, but that just seems like a weird one. <clears throat> so what do you think um, people are cross shopping this vehicle with? That is an interesting question. Um, I noticed that when I was driving it up from Southern California, cause we had to take our delivery in Pasadena. Uh, so, you know, five, 400 miles ish or so by the time I got home, cause did a little bit of a detour. <clears throat> Most of the people that were giving this second glances were, were G wagon owners. There are a lot of G wagons in Southern California. Um, and the thing, it's kind of an interesting twist because that, I guess it makes sense because it's very boxy, just like a G-Wagon, et cetera, but it's certainly a lot less expensive. Um, so if you want a discount G-Wagon, I guess you could consider it that. Um, there have been a few Wrangler owners that have contacted us, asking us for opinions, things like that. No Bronco owners so far. Um, but I could see that if you fully load your Bronco or you fully load your Wrangler up, you could consider this maybe as a still upgrade in price from that. That's more unique and different and all of that. 
it's more the same thing as a Wrangler than anything else, oddly enough, without the detachable doors and windows, though, because, yeah. you know, the solid front axle is certainly a peculiar thing that only Wrangler and only Grenadier will have at the moment here. Um, you know, solid axles just aren't a thing really anymore. Do you see um, this company grabbing a potential Defender buyer or a potential Lexus GX buyer, or is it just, you think someone's going to get in and be like, this steering and this ride quality is just not it? I don't know. I have trouble believing that the def- that the current modern Defender buyer has any intention of off-roading their Defender, hmm. other than your dad and yeah. your Defender. <laughs> sure, yeah, I would argue that the same is true of the Lexus GX. Uh, I know a lot of Lexus GX owners that do off-road, but none of them bought their GX new. They always, they are like that off-road crowd that buys a Land Cruiser or a GX. It seems like they're the second owner. Um, And so I have troubles believing that, that in the, in the first owner cross shop phase, that there's really going to be that much cross shop there. Um, it, admittedly, most Grenadier buyers are not going to offer their Grenadier, just like most Wrangler buyers won't either. Yeah. Now, as we start wrapping up here, I want to talk about value. So that's kind of been the mm. big point of contention across a lot of our viewers. We're looking at an 80 plus thousand dollar vehicle mm-hmm. once you start adding on the options. And you really do want, like we talked about, the front locker. Right. Yeah. The, the I think front, the front locker should be standard. Yeah, it should be. The front rear locking disc is so cool. Um, by the time you maybe do like like the ladder on yours or or like the brown mm-hmm. stigma, you're going to be over 80. Do you see the value in this? Or would you, if you were buying it personally, would you want to see adaptive cruise control and power mm. seats and all that? I don't miss the power seats. Okay. Um, I don't mind the lack of adaptive cruise control as much as I thought. Okay. But I will say... We haven't gone on a long road trip yet, so mm-hmm. if I'm gonna if you, if I'm gonna go meet you guys in Colorado and we're gonna drive our Grenadier to Colorado, I might really want the adaptive cruise control. That's probably the one one little tidbit that I might want. Um, I think that generally speaking, the value is okay because there is some value in the uniqueness of the Grenadier to begin with, and I think there's also value in the size of it because the rear seats are huge. Um, I mean, it is so much more comfortable in the back than a Wrangler. Um, just, I mean, even just because you don't have the detachable roof, so you get a much higher roof line, much, much uh, more accommodating as far as headroom and cargo room. Um, the cargo room specs are weird because Grenadier is using one of the European measurement standards. So it, it seems like the cargo area is smaller than it is. That cargo area is ginormous. Um, yeah. You know, you can, if you want to stack that floor to ceiling, you could put so much more stuff in there than you could in a Wrangler or a Bronco. So, I mean, there's a convenience factor. If you want to do camping, you want to overland your vehicle, um, you can just stick all of that stuff in the Grenadier. Whereas in the Wrangler, you'd have to put it on the roof or on a trailer or on some other hitch accessory or something like that, strap it to the side. Um, And so that, you know, there's an additional security and usability benefit for the Grenadier, but is that worth the at least $15,000 premium I don't know. I think that if Grenadier had priced it 10 grand less, it would have been perfect. It would have been an easier upsell, still more expensive than the others, but an easier, an easier upsell. Yeah. No, I, I Especially get that. Especially since we don't know what the dealer experience is going to be like. What was your dealer experience like? Well, ours was pretty good. Um, so 
did you were you pressured at all to pay over sticker on yours? Nope. Yeah, and that's what I've been hearing from uh, the the majority of Grenadier owners. I actually haven't heard of anyone being charged over sticker. I'm sure someone. Yeah, I haven't either. Yeah, so um, that's been good. Um, the one thing I will say, our dealer is as you as you you and you are even more so than us. It's about a two hour drive. Yeah. You no. Know? And how far are you from that Pasadena dealer from door to door? Uh, four and a half, five hours. Wow. But the, the dealer has the dealer in Northern California, which will be 30 minutes away has already signed all the paperwork. There's a mandatory waiting period for franchises. Mm -hmm. So I don't know when the dealership is going to be open, open. Cause there's obviously some other actual, you know, remodeling work to be done, but I believe they were saying by the end of February or end of March, if I, I could be wrong on that one, but I believe that's what they were saying. Um, so that should make it a lot easier. And there's one, um, I think there's one in Sacramento, something like that. I mean, what I will say, our dealer was, I think the communication was good. They were pretty prompt. Mm -hmm. It was, it was pretty much no BS. Um, as a potential buyer though, walking into that dealer, I mean, this was not a premium experience. This is like, a, oh. ours was like a small little brick building that used to be like a used car lot. Oh. And they had like a Ineos there and they had like some hats in the corner. But like if you compare it to a Land Rover dealer where you feel like you're getting a premium. Gotcha. It was yours yeah. pretty modern or was yours? Pasad Pasadena has a really nice dealership because oh, okay. the, the dealer there, Rusnak, also has a Jaguar Land Rover franchise and a Rolls Royce and a Bentley franchise and a <laughs> Volvo franchise. And they're all in the same building. So they're all like, like, like boutique row store. So Volvo's at the end. Uh, Grenadier is at the other end and Jaguar and the others are smashed in between. So, you know, the, the employees are all common, but the showrooms are separate. So you got, you know, showroom, Grenadier showroom with the same people that are, you know, used to selling Jaguar Land Rovers and, and, you know, and obviously things that are much more expensive than the Grenadier. So I think that's probably why the experience was nice. The dealership is clean and modern and brightly lit and everybody is super friendly and, so I watched them actually interact with some customers that came in off the street while I was waiting to, to get stuff uh, finalized. So that was, that was kind of interesting to see how they did it. I do have to say that my personal experiences with dealers, the Jaguar dealer close by in the Bay Area has always been very, very nice. Probably one of yeah. the nicest dealers I've ever interacted with. Uh, I mean, nobody buys, nobody's buying their stuff, but they're, they're very pleasant. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, it it hasn't affected them inside yet that nobody okay. nobody's buying their stuff. I gotcha. <laughs> yeah, I, I um like like you said. I mean, the people were really knowledgeable and and I think they're very friendly. But it wasn't it wasn't a a, a high class experience from a hmm. brick and mortar standpoint. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm curious because in the UK, remember when we were talking to the dude there, they were suggesting that in some markets they would sell them through tractor dealers because they're for, wow. for rugged rural people. Wow. I mean, I think that this is what Ineos is going to have the hardest time with in the US is I think there's a certain level of expectation by a lot of US consumers, regardless of what you're selling, where if you're spending, mm -hmm. in your case, 83900 I mean, adaptive cruise and power seats and, and a lot yeah. of these stuff and keyless entry and push button start is a must. And I understand that Grenadier is trying to be old school and, and durable and, you know, purposeful, yeah. but I think it's going to be a tough sell once you get past that line of enthusiasts who've been waiting for three years or whatever it is a year. Yeah. That keyless, that keyless go thing. Um, are, are you bummed by that? Is it, 
Would you I, be okay with it if the key was in a different place? Yeah, I don't mind it. I think you nailed it. I don't mind it. I think it's kind of fun turning a key. Yeah. But the hole is so low and unlit. Like, sticking that key in a yeah. night, you're like, where is it? You know? And to be honest, I'm not quite clear where else I would put it. It just wouldn't be there. Yeah. <laughs> I Tell me if I'm out way wrong here. But we have this enormous button bank in the in the ceiling. If it could be in the ceiling, that could be kind of cool. Like That'd a fighter so jet, cool. you're just like jam like up there, and that could have been cool. Oh, um, I don't know why, idea. but like that's that's where my mind goes. Yeah, I mean, and the, I love. I mean, one of my favorite parts is that button bank. It's fantastic. It's epic. That's why I um, had to get the auxiliary switches. I'm kind of, yeah. And so, like, we have, like, a panel that's missing the four switches. So we only have four yeah. instead of the seven or three. We have the Ana. Um, yeah. I I kind of think that they went through all that effort. Like, why didn't they reskin the BMW shifter? Mm, that's a good one. Um, that I am not entirely clear on. I know that they... They apparently used all of the BMW drivetrain control stuff. So like the engine computer, transmission controllers, et cetera, that was all done by, by BMW. So I don't know if Grenadier just said, please make these tweaks for us for our off-road programs or whatever, or if they just like went wholesale on, on the BMW bits. But suppose that was just a very, very direct money savings thing. Do you think they could have just changed the shape or something? Right, like, something. Yeah. Like just injection molded plastics could have been different. The other plastic that I think is weird is that black shiny plastic around the uh, infotainment controller knob. Yeah. Yeah. And you've got piano black on the door panels too, which, yeah. I mean, piano especially... black just needs to die in, in a fiery death. I you know. Yeah. Um, and I guess kind of the big question that's on everyone's mind, and obviously it's way too early to tell, but having put 83 of your hard earned thousand dollars down on this vehicle, the fact that you've got a BMW powertrain, I think it's a Tremec transfer case, right? Yes. And Carraro axles. I mean, there's a lot of unknowns. Are you stressed at all that you're going to be making that four and a half hour drive back to the dealer? Uh, on the engine and tran the engine and transmission are the parts that that would worry me the most. And I know this is going to get lots of internet ire, but you know, let's be honest, BMW is not the pinnacle of reliability when it comes to engines and transmissions. They don't they show up they score well on like 3 and 4 year metrics, but on those long-term reliability metrics, that's where BMW engines have had problems. Um the ZF8 speed, that's probably going to be fine, should be easy to fix. Um the transfer case and axles I am hopeful that they are going to be fine. Um, Carraro, of course, makes axles for JCB and John Deere and Case, etc. So the axles in that thing have more in common with my Case tractor than my Grand <laughs> Cherokee. Yeah. Um, but uh, which is probably why it drives the way that it does. Um, and yeah. also could be why it's so heavy. Yeah. So assuming those are as as stout as they say, you know, talking with the engineers there, they say they really over, over indexed the, the selection for the axles, et cetera. I think they should be fine. Um, I did find it hilarious that Grenadiers like, you know, we, we did this so that way, if you're off-roading and something goes wrong, it'll be easy to fix because the parts will be easier or whatever. And I'm like, in America, no, because we don't have Carraro axles. No, absolutely <laughs> so not. Yeah. Couldn't, 
couldn't we have dated something? Um, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but then I guess that would have been weird for that market because you know they nobody nobody does Dana axles there. So um, right. I guess these axles are also used in uh, mid-sized lorries oh. in Europe, apparently. So okay. um, so parts might be easier to find. I'm I'm not it, not clear exactly what series, but it sounded like box truck like kind of European lorries. And and wrapping up, a one last question, Alex. What are you gonna do with yours? I mean, what are your plans with it? I am uncertain at this point in time. We are definitely going to go uh, and do some tire swaps and wheel swaps. So we've been talking to Bridgestone about this, and Bridgestone has some off-road series that they sponsor here and there. So uh, they volunteered to let us drive our car on their their off-road uh, setup that they have. Cool. Uh, so we might try that and try and see if we could do a little tie in there. Um, you know, Firestone's off-road all-terrain tires, they're they're mud trains, they're fine. They're not okay. like, they're not KO2s, but they're fine. Yeah. Uh, so we'll probably swap some of those in, let them swap them in maybe I should say. Uh, we'll probably buy the wheels. They'll they'll send us the tires. We'll, we'll do the mounting and balancing, et cetera. We'll swap them on, do some off-roading there. Are you ditching the um, steelies? No, I love the Steelies. So I think we're okay. just going to get another set of Steelies. Okay. Um, and uh, I kind of, I, I'm kind of thinking maybe Steely Steels, like, you know, not black ones, like actually like a, maybe a powder coated gray Steely or something for our, for our mud terrains. Nice. I like that. Um, maybe a rusted set. I don't know. Um <laughs> So I have to find out the 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 tire the wheel size is is hard to find though I have noticed it's I'm I've done some mild looking and it's not like there's a lot of options just jumping out yeah um so I might just have to buy the Grenadier Steelies um other than that I think we're gonna do some camping and some some overlanding with it uh I've toyed with the concept of being a support vehicle for like the Gambler that could oh, be fun cool. yeah we have to get a winch though you'd so. have to get the winch. Yeah. Um, I'm curious to see what um, aftermarket companies, if any, start supporting Grenadiers here in the U.S. Yeah. You know, is um, is is like Bill Stein going to have a, a bolt on shock for it or is Fox going to do something or what what mm -hmm. aftermarket companies, AEV or whatever, um, because it's definitely very limited right now. Like you said, the winch, yes. right? Like a Wrangler, you could have any number of of. Mm -hmm. um, aftermarket bumpers that would support a yep. wind. This you're Here you're in custom limited. fab land. Yeah. yeah custom, which gets Although that might actually be cheaper than the Grenadier winch. <laughs> yeah, I think you could be right. Um, <laughs> the hitch, the hitch winch though, I think is, I, I actually, in my, in my head, what I was really thinking was maybe what we do is we just put a two inch receiver, have a custom bumper done Amazing. with a two inch receiver on the front and then just take a hitch winch with us on the back and then you can swap it to the front if you need to amazing um that seems like the most logical thing to do for us because we've done that on the, our tractor has a, a two inch hitch receiver on its front so when it's gotten stuck we've winched that way yeah because uh, that's what we do with our jeep i don't have a winch on the front i just have a i just have a hitch winch but on the jeep i don't care if it you know bashes into a tree when i'm winching it out because it's yeah. already completely fucked up so um yeah. So <clears throat> it would be a little bit different with this. <laughs> yeah. Well, Alex, a huge thank you for your opinions. What I want to do if you're cool with it is let's like jump on this call like a couple months from now. Yes. And let's see if yours <laughs> is still working and if ours is still working. Yeah. And uh, did I tell you about our leak question? 
uh, with the with the the, the, the panel the Safari windows. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm be, I'm going to be curious. That's the only thing. See if anyone. We don't have the Safari windows, so we haven't had that. But I, I'll be curious to see if anyone chimes in in the comments. Or yeah. Um. It, it kind of sounds like if you had that four inches of rainfall, maybe like it was not fully latched. You know. Yeah. One thing. The question I did have on that one, and I'm wondering if anybody. If, let me know if anybody chimes in down there uh, yeah. later. But. Uh, the drain for the Safari windows, there's only one and it's mm. on one front corner. Interesting. So I'm wondering, it was parked in my driveway, which some parts of my driveway are very not level. The parts people don't see on camera because <laughs> um, it's like off, off on the side. Um, and I'm wondering if that was why. Maybe it was just at the wrong angle to drain into the Safari window drain. Um, but we'll keep you, we'll keep you updated. And Alex, if folks want to follow you on the YouTubes, where do they go? They can find us at Auto Buyer's Guide on the YouTubes, the Twitters, the Instagrams, the the Facebooks, all of those things. All of it. All of it. Awesome. Well, thanks, dude. I really appreciate it. Yes, good to see you. So, Tommy, would you recommend this to somebody looking for a dedicated off-roader? Well, you, you know, Dad, there's still a lot of questions we don't know, like long-term reliability. And we plan on keeping it for a year to find that out. And my initial impression has been really good. The fitment of the panels, the quality of the interior, no warning lights or mechanical issues. Granted, it's only 1,800 miles. But we're going to really keep it for a year and hopefully put on 15,000, 20,000 miles. I'd love to keep it for 10 years, but we got to move on to other vehicles or the interest dies down. But my, my goal is to kind of get a sense of what its build quality is like. Yeah, I'm going to say if Ineos actually comes up with a fix for that hellish an annoying uh, overspeed warning, then I will give it a huge two thumbs up. Until then, I will say, uh, yeah, you may want to think twice before buying one of these because that is such a, such a stupid, it's, it's not just annoying, it's stupid annoying. Yeah, it's, it's pretty bad, but hopefully a fix is in the works and we'd love to hear what you guys think. Are we out of our minds for liking this thing? Um, as always, leave us a comment in the section below if you're listening to us on podcast, leave a review and, uh, Thank you so much for listening and watching. Yeah, and go to altfl.com if you actually want to see us pick this up and find out what we traded against it and how much money we lost on the thing that we traded, <laughs> which was substantial. As always, yes. As always. See you guys next time. Ciao. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.